Two Be'av. Tetvav Be'av, Tafshin Ayin Zayin. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, my name is Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Nitzmadnu, live from Kesaria is that album, and we are live from New York, here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Welcome, one and all, to uh, a live edition of the Israel Show. We had a short two-week break during the, let's see, what was it, during the nine days? Yeah, where we took a little break, but now we're back. Yay. Back with you live. We are here each and every Monday immediately following JM in the AM, which translates to 9 AM Eastern, 4 PM Israel time around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time we're on. Because this is an international show heard around the world. And of course, you can listen to us on demand via the Nachum Ziegel Network app, which is available for free, both for iPhone and Android, and NachumSiegel.com. We have a Facebook page where we post the links to the songs that we play during the show and links to articles of interest that we mentioned during the show or pictures of interest. It's a great resource about Israel and you're invited to join. You're encouraged to join. We thank you for joining. <laughs> like the page. It's um, facebook.com slash the Israel show. Facebook.com slash the Israel show. We are at 490 likes. So our next goal now is 500, which would be very nice. And we appreciate all your likes and interests and comments. You can comment uh, as well on the Nachum Single Network app usually try to um, get to it during the show. We'll do one more uh, song and then we'll get to the news of the day. Ari Harrow, we also have um, some thoughts about Tu Be'av. What's it about and what can we learn from it and uh, some other good news from Israel as we always try to have some during the show. This is God Elbaz and Benny Elbaz with Hashem Melech. My name is Mayor Weingart and you are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network.
The Elbazes. <laughs> God Elbaz. And Benny Elbaz with Hashem Melech. Very popular uh, song. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So, in Israel, during these days, the main news stories are about investigations of the Prime Minister. There are three investigations simultaneously taking place. I think we mentioned them once before. They are uh, referred to by the media as Tik Elef, Tik Alpine, Tik Shloshdalafim, meaning um, case 1000, case 2000, case 3000. Um, and each one is, a, is, is about a different issue. So uh, case 1000, which the, the uh, police are investigating, has to do with the question of whether N- Prime Minister Netanyahu accepted bribes, not in the form of cash. It seems that everybody agrees that he never took any cash bribes, but bribes in the form of uh, expensive gifts, specifically expensive cigars, expensive um, drinks, hard hard drinks, obviously, um, maybe jewelry for his wife, etc. That's number 1,000. Of course, the question is, is it okay for a prime minister to accept gifts if there's no quid pro quo? And they would have to prove, if they want to actually uh, indict him, on this, they would have to prove that Prime Minister Netanyahu got back something in return for these gifts. Otherwise, the question becomes, is it, is, is it against the law for a prime minister or other elected official just to take a gift? The, um, the case 2000 has to do with something we spoke about a while, uh, a while ago on, on, um, on the Israel show, it has to do with uh, whether there was any wrongdoing between Prime Minister Netanyahu and the editor and owner of uh, the publisher, I should say, of Yidiot Achronot, the leading newspaper in Israel, which is a leading anti-Netanyahu newspaper. And um, it was uncovered that one of these meetings was recorded and that there was a deal that the Prime Minister and the publisher of Yidor Achronot were, were trying to work, work out, in which the publisher of Yidor Achronot asked the Prime Minister to use whatever influence he could on the newspaper Yisrael Hayom, which is um, a newspaper published by Sheldon Adelson, an American multimillionaire or billionaire, who gives the newspaper out for free in order to have influence on Israeli society and it was, it is still basically considered a very pro-Netanyahu newspaper. It's a good paper, a lot of people read it because it's given out for free and um, it is totally pro-Netanyahu. You would be hard-pressed to find over the years an anti-Netanyahu article um, and because it was given out for free, it was hurting Yidiot Achronot, which is a for-profit newspaper. And Yidiot Achronot's circulation was going down. And the publisher of Yidiot Achronot proposes to meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu in secret 
and offers him positive coverage in exchange for Yisrael Hayom being influenced to cut back on either either shut down completely or cut back on its publication. So, is that bribery? Is that you know we don't know. Does the prime minister have also? such influence on the newspaper in which case one could say that he owns the newspaper in which case it's not a newspaper it's a political um, it's a political propaganda and so forth, so many complicated issues, the the crux of that story is that the publisher of Yudhya Rechonot who hates Netanyahu is ready for money to become a big supporter of Netanyahu he tells Netanyahu in, uh, in these recordings, in the secret recordings of their meetings he tells him uh Give me names of people uh, that, that should be writing in the newspaper and I'll hire them tomorrow. As a gesture of goodwill, he says, even if we don't make a deal. Of course, they didn't make any deal, um, but um, this is continuing. What's interesting and what many bring out is, can there be bribery where, where only one side is guilty of anything? Because you hear nothing in the media about the... Um, I mean, basically, mafia tactics of the publisher of Yediot Achonot, who's who basically says, "I'll print whatever you want if you give me uh, if if you give me something that will help my circulation." It now turns out that Sheldon Adelson uh, confirmed to Israeli police when he was under investigation that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu did speak to him about the possibility of not publishing a weekend edition, which is the very popular, it's like the Sunday New York Times, and which would have helped Yudhya Rechonot. Where is this going? We don't know, but it would be rather ironic if Prime Minister Netanyahu and his nemesis, the publisher of Yudhya Rechonot, ended up getting trapped together in the same... Uh, in the same um, fraud or, or um, scandal. Tik Shlosh Talafim seems to be, based on all the media reports, nothing to do with the Prime Minister. It has to do with big-time corruption in Israel's military and in those parts of the um, Ministry of Defense that, ha- that deal with uh, purchasing of weapons. It was a major purchase of six submarines from Germany not so long ago. And there seems to have been a lot of corruption. A lot of people made a lot of money from um, kickbacks and so forth. It seems that people that are close to the prime minister are, um, are involved. But no, nobody seems to think that the prime minister himself is involved in that. So now we get back to Ari Haro. Ari Haro was born in the United States, in uh, Beverly Hills, California, part of the Orthodox Jewish community there. In 1973, that makes him 44 right now. He grew up in, uh, in Beverly Hills, in Los Angeles, until the age of 12, and then at the age of 12, his family made Aliyah. They made Aliyah and they moved to uh, the Shomron, 
so you see where their political leanings are he has um, six brothers and sisters of which th- three were adopted by, by the parents um, so they moved to Ginot Shomron he, he studied in uh, Yeshiva High School in Karnei Shomron he then went to Yeshiva HaKotel I guess it's part of the Hesder program. You get you get a little bit of a measure of the person. He was uh, in Golani, in the Golani Brigade, which is an infantry uh, brigade in Sahal, very very well known. And after he finished his army service, he went back to the states in order to study. He got a he got a bachelor's in psychology in uh, NYU. Came back to Israel did a master's in political science and then as a young man was appointed to be a, an advisor to Benjamin Netanyahu um, part of which was fundraising went back to the United States ran American Friends of Likud did raise a lot of funds and uh, came back to Israel worked with Benjamin Netanyahu again and then eventually retired and went into private consulting business, political consulting. Then the Prime Minister asked him to come back. So he had to sell his consulting business, otherwise it would be a conflict of interest and um, that would not go well. And it is there that the police in Israel seemed to have something to hook their 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 hooks <laughs> to hook their their fingers on um where they say that something was done incorrectly now harrow has commented over the weekend saying i did nothing wrong whatever you want to say i did nothing wrong the sale was kosher it was legal i did it with an attorney but that's really irrelevant, and I'll tell you why. The question here, well, several things. First of all, there, there is a blackout ordered by the court. The media may not um, discuss many, many of the things that are already in the police reports. So, therefore, you are, we all are surely not getting all the news. So whatever we hear is based on leaks. Whatever I'm telling you is based on my analysis of the leaks and um, the the credibility that I give to the reporters that are g- giving us those leaks. Um, from all accounts, everybody, enemy, friend, indifferent, everybody says that Ari Haro is... A man of integrity, a patriot, a believer in Netanyahu, and he devoted his career to advancing Netanyahu and through him the state of Israel, never wanted anything for himself. He's quiet, he's shy, he's a quote-unquote good boy, as they say in Israel, Yelatov Yerushalayim. He's not out for fame, not out for fortune. And the truth is, until now, nobody knew his name. 
even though he was one of the closest people to the prime minister for, man, for, for a very long time. So what's going on if he's so, such a man of integrity and so forth? And it would seem, that's my belief at this point, it would seem that the police, elements in the police, are doing everything possible. They're, they're overturning every stone and looking everywhere to get the prime minister. That's the, that's the object of this whole thing. Very similar to what's happening in America. When people on the uh, left don't like the results of the vote of the democratic process, so they say, you know what? We'll find a way to get him out of office. We'll impeach him. In fact, there's uh, democratic Congress people who say straight out from day one, don't worry, we'll impeach him. It's sort of like, Democracy is good as long as, you know, we win. When we don't win, democracy doesn't really count and, and, and we'll force upon the people something that they didn't choose. And it seems that that could be what, hap- what is happening in Israel. So the police decided, as one of the stones that they're overturning to look underneath and see what they could find, what dirt they could find, that Ari Harrow was very close to Netanyahu. So how do they get Ari Harrow? So they, they make up a claim and say, well, the sale of your company was not done properly and we have to investigate you and therefore we have to go through all of your house and everything you have. And of course, through that, they're going to find stuff about Netanyahu. They arrested Ari Harrow suddenly, a few years ago, as he was returning from the United States, they arrested him as he exited the aircraft. I mean, can you imagine the public embarrassment that was involved there? They did everything to pressure him and pressure him and pressure him and pressure him to um, to to testify against Prime Minister Netanyahu. Now, he claims even today he doesn't think that Prime Minister Netanyahu did anything wrong or whatever it is that they have him testifying about he doesn't think is illegal. And so they got him last week to turn state's witness, Ed Medina, which means he makes a deal with the, uh, with the Ministry of Justice, with the prosecutors, and the, the deal basically seems to be he does not sit in prison, he gets off easy, but he has to testify to certain things about Prime Minister Netanyahu. Now, it's very hard to imagine about a person who everybody says was such a big fan of Netanyahu and, uh, and, 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 and a man of integrity and so forth. But, as one of the um, former members of the Shin Bet said, they are putting tremendous psychological pressure on him. And we shouldn't know from it, but when you have that kind of psychological pressure put on you day after day for months and months and months and years, you crack and uh, he did and again he says I did nothing wrong but it doesn't matter all the forces of the police and the justice department they're all aligned against me because they are all a lot of them are controlled by the left and they're going to they're going to get me whether it's whether the transfer of my company was legal or not they'll find a way to get me and they'll find a way to put me in prison it's pretty sad that this is going on in Israel today um, and so he is now officially going to be a state witness. 
don't expect, this is uh, important to know, don't expect there to be any major earthquake in the next uh, short period of time. This is going to take a long time. It, there will be a lot of shakiness in the government. There will be a lot of, um, like you have here, a lot of noise that is being made by the media all the time, a constant barrage of investigations, investigations, and takes away from the ability of the person to to be a good ruler, a good prime minister, a good executive. But they will do everything to bring him down because they know that they can't bring him down in the elections. It's pretty sad. Really, really sad. But that is the reality right now in the state of Israel. That is Ari Harrow. From all reports, seems to be a wonderful person, an American who made Aliyah, who devoted his life, a good part of his life, to um, public service in the state of Israel, never asking for anything in return. And um, he gets sucked in. It's, it's almost like, a, like one of these thriller movies where a person gets sucked into something that he really has nothing and he can't get out of it. I feel very bad for him. I really do. And I, I hope that he's able to come out of this without any major damage to him. Uh, he's had a lot of damage already, but without any more damage to him or damage to the Prime Minister. We're going to go back to the music. Yonatan Razel sings Hatov, composed by the late, great Rebben Sion Schenker. And I want to dedicate this with a shout-out to my Ima, who's listening via the Nachum Siegel Network app, and to the great staff of uh, the Haim Solomon Rehab Center in Brooklyn, who takes such good care of her as she gets her strength back. And special shout-outs to Joanna and to Rebecca. Rabinsianchenko composed. Yonatan Razel arranges and sings. Hatov, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Jonathan Rezel, Hatov, off of his uh, latest album called Poteach Lev. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Twelve years ago, around this time, Gush Katif was destroyed. This area of 17 towns, Jewish towns, in Gaza, was destroyed not by our enemies, not by the outside forces, but by the inside forces, mainly by Prime Minister Sharon, who bulldozed it through the government and then bulldozed it. 8,600 residents lived in Gush Katif and were thrown out of their homes. There were many people who paid a lot of money that the Israelis should leave in Gush Katif a lot of the resources so that the Arabs would be able to use those resources to start a thriving industry, economy, And of course, the day after Israel left, all the synagogues in Gush Katif were burnt down to the ground by the local Arabs. All the resources that were worth millions of dollars that could have started a beautiful economy for the Palestinian people in Gaza, they were all destroyed pretty much within the next day or two. Graves were dug up. Graves of Jews were dug up before the expulsion from Gush Katif because of the fear of what the Arabs would do to the graves, to the dead. And it was a good thing they did move the bodies. That's how far we had to go. And I think it's important to remember them. There are still, seems several hundred who have not found if the 12 years have not found proper housing or jobs and so forth, it was handled horribly by the Israeli government. I want to connect this to a story I posted on the Facebook page last week. A former resident of Gush Katif, somebody who, uh, whose home was demolished, you can imagine the... Uh, 
the trauma that that does, that that leaves. He was also, in the 1990s, this, this person was the winner of the International Bible Contest for, for Youth. The one on Yom Atzmot that we always talk about. He won. He was the number one guy. Now, we're not supposed to say his name, even though you could find it pretty easily online now that you know this information. But we'll, uh, we'll stick with uh, the wishes of the Israeli government and censors. So we won't mention his name, but we'll say that this man who lived in Gush Katif, who was a winner of the International Bible Contest, was appointed last week as the commander of Shayetet Shlosh that's Israel's Navy SEALs. Can you imagine? Safra Vesaifa. We have weapons, we have books, and the great, the great challenge is to unite them into the people that hold the weapons also hold the books. Something new from Hadas Kleinman and Aviv Becher, Biyamim Shia Avru Aleinu. Brand new, debuting here. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Brand new debuting here on the Israel Show by Amim Shiavru Aleinu, Hadas Kleiman and Aviv Becher coming out of Israel on this post three weeks, post nine days. Tu Be'av edition of the Israel Show. Tu Be'av, yeah. Speaking of Tu Be'av, the source that we have for it, one of the sources, is uh, at the end of Masechet Ta'anit, the tractate Ta'anit, in the Talmud. The Mishnah teaches us, Lo hayu yamim tovim Israel There never were in Israel greater days of joy than the 15th of Av and the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. What happened on those days? Shebahen, listen to this carefully. If you haven't heard this, this will shock you. Sit down. Shebahen, benot Yerushalayim, the women of Jerusalem, the unmarried women, yotzot bechlei lavan she'ulim, go out, we'll find out in a minute where they're going, wearing simple, plain, white dresses that they've borrowed. Why are they borrowing simple white dresses? So that no one will have a nicer dress than the other. That they all will be wearing the same simple dress. And in so doing, not embarrass those that are not wealthy enough to afford a fancy dress. Uvenot Yerushalayim, the single women of Jerusalem, yotzot v'cholot bachramim. They go out into the vineyards and they dance, a circle dance. Machol, cholot, machol. Halal is an empty space. So the circle dance, which is one where you dance around and there's an empty space in the middle, is called cholot. Halil is like a flute, so it has empty space in the middle that you make music with. Halon is... A, an empty space in a wall. Halal is in general an empty space. The Gemara expands on what the Mishnah says. The Gemara says, you see, the Mishnah doesn't tell us what we're so happy about these two days. Why was all this going on? So the Gemara in Tanit, on Lamed Amud Bet, says, Bishlam Yom Kippurim, we understand why Yom Kippur is a happy day, because we get atonement for our sins. What about Tubav? And the Gemara goes through different opinions of what happened on this day. One says that it is the day on which the tribes of Israel were allowed to intermarry. Yes, there was a time, there was a generation coming out of e- Egypt where the tribes of Israel could not marry each other. Can you imagine? You had to marry within your tribe. That lasted for a generation. And on Tuba'av, Chazal tell us, is the day that they were, that, that, that Easter, that prohibition was taken away. 
And another opinion says, Yom Shehutar Shevet Ben Yamin Lavo Bekahal. The end of Sefer Shoftim, there is a, a horrifying case known as Pilegish Bagifa. And there was an oath taken by all the tribes of Israel not to marry anyone from the tribe of Benjamin. And eventually that that was uh, undone. And according to Chazal, that was undone on Tu B'Av. There are other other things brought brought out in the uh, in the Gemara as well, but these first two seem to show that there is this day has something to do with unity, with the ability to marry within the Jewish people, not only within certain tribes. And so I guess. It, it was fitting that this would be a Shidduch day, or Shidduch date, where, yes, this is what the Gemara says, the single women went dancing in the vineyards. Here. Let, let's, uh, let's see what the Gemara says. Benot Yisrael Yotzot V'cholot Bakramim, Tana. If you were single, that's where you went. <laughs> just before, just after Shabbat Nachamu, right? Does that make sense? It was a singles weekend, sort of. And they danced around, and the guys stood on the side and looked to find somebody. And Tanu Rabbanan, our rabbis teach us, the beautiful ones, Maha Yuam wrote, look at look at the beauty when you're when you're when you're looking to pick somebody, look for a beautiful woman. Those that weren't so pretty but had Yichus said, look at the Yichus. Those that were ugly, that's pretty sad. And um, didn't have Yichus said, You do this for the name of heaven. You don't do it for the prettiness, for, for the beauty. You don't do it for the for the yichos. It is quite astounding that this took place. And remember, not only on Tuba Av, on Yom Kippur, this took place, and it's so hard for us to understand what that means. When on Yom Kippur did this take place exactly? Now, I I, I will say that um, Yagil Henkin, Hashem Yikom Damo, wrote an article about this in which he tries to prove I'm sorry, a Tom Henkin. A Tom Henkin, Hashem Yikom Demo. If you remember, a Tom Henkin and his wife, I think her name was Naama, were shot by terrorists while their children were in the back of seat of the car. There's a very well-known situation which goes back about two years. We lost one of a great, great researcher, scholar, a Tom Henkin. He wrote a piece about this, whether in fact this happened on Yom Kippur as well. And his conclusion is, I believe that it that it doesn't. I could. It's in Hebrew. If you're interested, I'm not going to post it. But if you're interested in reading it, it's um, 
It, I'll uh, I'll send it to you. Uh, shoot me an email, mayor at nachumsegel.com, M-E-I-R, mayor at nachumsegel.com, or you can uh, post on the Facebook page if you'd like, and I'll take a look at it there. So there are two points I want to I, I wanna try and emphasize here about Tuba'av. One is that the Mishnah makes the point that when we go out for Shiduchim, to look for marriage. Don't do something that will embarrass others. If you're in public, don't dress up all fancy and people who can't afford it are then pushed to try and dress up fancy or will look poor. No one was allowed to wear their own dress. They had to borrow a dress from someone else and it had to be a plain white dress. Even the daughter of the king, even the daughter of the Kohen Gadol. I hear so many times today at very, very, very insanely fancy weddings. Well, he's got a lot of money, so he can spend it. He gives a lot of tzedakah. It's okay. Well, here the Mishnah is telling us that sometimes it's not okay to do something that will not only embarrass those that don't have and can't keep up with the Joneses, but it will also possibly force people into doing things that they don't have the money for and and put them into really dire straits financially. Now the king of Israel probably gave a lot of tzedakah and was very rich and so is the Kohen Gadol. And yet the Mishnah says his daughter can't wear a fancy dress. And it's fascinating to me that in a world that we live in where, in the yeshiva world, where the concept of Das Torah, whatever the rabbis say, whatever the rabbis say, the one thing or one of the things that they could not get people to do when the Moetzah, Gedole HaTorah of the Aguda came out with a takana that said you can't spend more than a certain amount on weddings you can't have more than certain things more than a certain amount of people more than certain dishes and so forth at the wedding it was just ignored it was ignored Das Taira I shouldn't say totally ignored almost totally ignored that's one lesson but there is another lesson we oftentimes are very down on ourselves. Oh, if we'd only have achtas, if we'd only have achtas, unity. We lack in unity. And it's true, to some level, we do lack in unity. We, we're, we, we are a people that love to argue. We love to disagree with each other. But, if you think about a situation where Going back to the times of the Tanakh, our people, there were periods where our people couldn't marry within the within their religion, within Jewish Judaism, within the tribes. There was a generation that couldn't marry within the tribes, and there was a generation that the tribe of Benjamin was set aside. If you think about it, after the reign of Shlomo HaMelech, the one state of Israel split into two. Yehuda and Yisrael. 
And this went on for hundreds of years. There were two states of Israel, one right next to each other. There were two kings. They fought each other. They killed each other. Thank God we're not in that situation. We have one state. Yeah, we argue and fight a lot, but we have one state. And we don't kill each other. And I think that's something that we have to be thankful, very thankful for. On this Tuba'av. Let's see, what do we end with? We're going to end with Shweki and Ra'uvanim. Before we do that, let me ask you to please keep in mind Uri Avraham ben Elisheva for Rufu Ashelema, Uri Avraham ben Elisheva. A good friend and listener. Thanks so much for all of you tuning in. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, new, new, new on the Nachum Siegel Network roster, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review. That's the name of the new show covering the latest in the world of sports. And then an encore presentation of Headlines with David Lichtenstein and the great Monday Music Marathon continues throughout the day. Until next Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Oh, oh, oh.